0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for The Connection Young Adult Ministry, part of Church on the Rock in Texarkana. Join us each week as we gather together to deepen our faith, connect with others, and grow in our knowledge of Scripture and relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether you're just starting your faith journey or you've been a Christian for years, this podcast is for you. Let's dive into this week's sermon.
1: Hey, Connection listeners, uh, Pastor Michael here. Uh, this is actually recorded after the fact, uh, Thursday night. We started our, uh, our service and the sermon mostly got recorded, but for some reason, the beginning half, something happened with the sound. So uh, I'm just gonna give you a quick rundown of kind of what you missed beforehand, and then we'll get right back into what happened Thursday. So this is a part two to the sermon that uh, my wife Lyric and I preached a couple weeks ago. And it's in our relationship series called It's Complicated. And tonight, uh, what we did is, or I guess not tonight, but the, the, the night that we did this, um, we talked about what to do when you get into a relationship. We call this, the the title of this message was called pre-marriage counseling. Basically, if you're going to get married and you want us to be involved in the wedding, you're going to sit down with us, with your your partner, and we are going to go over some topics. And so we just took a couple excerpts, some things that uh, whether we've learned in our marriage or being married for 10 years, or whether this was stuff that someone else kind of told us. Um, but basically just to talk about how to how to be married right and uh, we are by no means experts there are lots of people out there that uh, are way better with marriage and marriage counseling and all of this kinds of stuff and probably most of what you hear uh, in this message is going to be stuff that we heard someplace else I can't guarantee that it's all original but I I, I promise if you want to get married someday this little bit is going to help you so anyways here we are pre-marriage counseling Uh, point number one is choose your battles the first thing that you need to know when it comes to getting married is that you need to know when you fight and when you don't and i I put battles in quotation marks because you see your partner is not your enemy whoever you're you're marrying your husband your wife your partner is not your enemy in fact your your partner is your number one ally in the fight against the enemy because the devil hates marriage you know i heard somebody say once that the devil will do everything he can to get you to slip up with you know sexual immorality and impurity and and relationships he'll do everything he can to get you into bed before marriage and everything he can to keep you out of bed once you're married he hates marriage he hates when people honor god with our relationships and our bodies in the way that god designed and we got to remember that our partner is not Enemy, they're our ally. And so, uh, first of all, we want to dive into Genesis. Uh, you know, you can't talk about marriage without talking about Genesis because this is where God clearly designs it and sets it up and gives us kind of the blueprint of what marriage is supposed to look like. Um, and so, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, it says that the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. And you know in, in, in a lot of ways, we oftentimes think that um, you know, because Eve was formed from Adam's rib um, that that man came first, women came after, and for some reason, men are then above women. You know, there, there's that verse where Paul talks about wives, submit to your husbands. And um, we oftentimes take that to think that for some reason, the way God set it up or whatever, men are, are superior or above women. And that's just not the case because he here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, um, it says, but there was not a helper found uh, fit for him. Uh, well, that word helper in the Hebrew is used many many times throughout scripture but almost every other time well not every other time i'll I'll say this in psalm chapter 54 verse 4 it says this behold god is my helper the lord is the upholder of my life so when Eve was described as a helper for Adam, it's the same exact Hebrew word used to describe the way that God helps us and upholds our life. Now tell me this. Is God our sidekick? No. Is a wife a man's sidekick? No. In fact, God is the helper or the upholder of our lives. We need our partners to help us. And I, and I just mean that that I'm not trying to put wives in the place of God in our lives. But what I am saying is that we are meant to help one another. We are meant to help because we can't sustain it. I can't live my life without God's help. I also can't fulfill my calling and my purpose without the help of my wife and vice versa. My wife cannot be who she was made to be without me. We need each other. We are two sides of the same coin. And to kind of prove this point even further, if you move into the next verse in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2 verse 21 says, So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his, we translate it as ribs, one of his ribs, and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he had he made into woman and brought her to the man. Now this is really interesting. This is one of my least favorite translations in all the Bible. You know, the Bible was not written in English. It was written in ancient languages that aren't even spoken in those forms today. And so when we read the Bible, we're having a cross-cultural, cross-time experience. And sometimes our translators can mess up. Um, you know, when we when we look at words and they could have a multiple meaning, or maybe they, we don't know what that meaning is, a lot of times what translators will do is they'll look at the whole of scripture and see all the other places where that word is used and they'll use that to kind of help dictate well did you know that the hebrew word that we translate as rib here um, is only translated as rib twice in the whole bible and both of those times are in verse 21 and 22. This is the only passage in all of Scripture that we translate this word as rib. Now, it's used 50 times, but this is the only time it's ever used as a small, tiny bone. Almost every other time, and, and uh, we had a graphic in, church, in service the other night, and I wish I could show it here on the podcast, we had a graphic. 80% of the time that this word is used— it is described or it is translated as side, meaning like the half of something. So for instance, in Exodus chapter 26, verse 35, it says, and you shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand on the south side of the tabernacle opposite the table, and you shall put the table on the north side. Right? So what the the the, the terminology that it's using here is that uh, it's like the the side of something the half of something and so what what god is or what the bible is saying here truly is that and while he slept god took his side god took a half of him now whether there was a literal half of a being or whether this is just fear, figurative poetic language the point is that our partners in order to make eve god took part of adam he took a side of him a half of him and he created another woman So that they could be together and work together and help each other in their lives he didn't just take a tiny little bit of man to make woman he took god took his side literally the the like the side of a mountain he took the left side or the right side or or half he took half of adam and created eve and together they make a whole adam is half Eve is half and together they make a whole and that is what you and your partner should be no one rules over the other no one is more valuable or more important we are each other's helpers and we are two sides of the same thing and in order for us to have a healthy happy marriage we have to view that but uh at this point we're gonna hop back into the recording and pick up with uh Lyric and myself so I hope y'all enjoy
0: the big picture things, we we see eye to eye, Michael and I, like, we're, we're pretty good there. But a few years ago, there was a big decision in our life that we were making, and we could not come to an agreement. And um, I just remember praying and asking God, like, what do I do? Like, I don't feel this. He, you know, I feel one way. He feels another way. Like, what do we do? And I... I'm not somebody that, you know, people will talk about visions they have or, you know, stuff like that. And that's never been something that I've experienced much. Um, But in that prayer time, I just had this image pop into my head of a person with one body and two heads, and I felt like God was telling me like, that's what you're acting like right now. You've got like one body, but you're, you've got two heads and you're both trying to make the decision and you just need to submit to your husband. And I didn't want to do that, but I was like, okay, this is, this is one of those times where he's not just trying to boss me around. I'm, I'm, I need to submit this to him. And so I went to him and I was like, hey, you make the call. Like, whatever you say, that's what we're going to do. And then we did, and we moved forward with it. And then because we moved forward, the Lord brought a clear answer. And then after that, we were both on the same page, and we knew how to move forward from that point.
1: For the record, she was right, 100%. I wasn't
0: going to say that. I was purposely
1: <laughs> leaving that part out. But I didn't want to be like, well. <laughs> but, yeah. I, 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 I made the call that I thought was right we, we kind of went down that path a little ways and immediately we're like, okay, bad idea. This was wrong. Really bad idea. But, I wish I would have listened to you from the get-go. But the
0: Lord spoke to both of us. And so there might be times where you're not sure what to do and you just submit to your husband and then the Lord is going to take care of it.
1: Amen, spot on. But
0: you're his helper, not his minion. employee or, yeah, yeah. minion.
1: All right, moving on to our next, uh, still under point one, pick your battles, but kind of the next point under there.
0: Yeah, so you are both adults with different opinions on what is good and what isn't, and that's okay. Um, You know, there will be times like this thing that I was just talking about, it was a big thing. It would have changed the course of our life. Literally, from that point till forever, it would have affected our lives. And so there are things that are big, that you need to talk and sort out and, and, you know, really work through. But there are things that just aren't. There are things that, man, okay, maybe some more ladies can understand where I'm coming from on this. But some of our biggest fights have been over me not knowing where I want to eat, Or him choosing and me not wanting to go there. The most
1: frustrating thing in the world.
0: And I mean, like, we've had some serious fights over these, like, situations. And it's so not worth it.
1: And Lyric took it out on the waitress.
0: (laughs) No, I didn't. I would (laughs) never. But there are things that are just not worth the energy, not worth the strife that it brings into your marriage. So... Weigh that out. Like, is this something important or do I just need to eat a cheeseburger right now? You know, like- It's
1: amazing how much a little bit of food will fix all your problems. That's
0: in our house, that is totally true. But, you know, having a peaceful house, that changes everything. Like, do what's peaceful. Don't bring strife in. Unnecessarily.
1: And there it is, unnecessarily. Um, There's a quote by, uh, and I'm really paraphrasing, I couldn't find the the exact quote, but um, Dr. James Dobson, who was like a really big thing back in the 90s, um, really a family man, all about like focus on the family, kind of that kind of stuff. And he says, uh, and again, I'm paraphrasing, before marriage, keep your eyes wide open. In other words, be looking paying attention to every detail, whoever it is that you're trying to, to marry and spend the rest of your life with, like keep your eyes open and, and be aware of everything, like avoid the red flags. But once you're married, keep them half shut because there are so many things when you when you live with someone, when you're married to someone, there are so many little details that you could pick apart and tear apart, whether it's the hair in the shower drain or the cosmetic products, always all over the sink or the hairdryer hanging over my dresser where I can't get my clothes in the morning. Whatever those things are, you just ignore them, right? <laughs> I love you, my wife. No, but, you you know, it's, it's, uh, it's important to, you know, once you're married, keep those eyes half shut. Don't pay attention to the little things because there's always going to be something to fight about. You just have to choose not to. Um, the next one, and this is really a really big one for any interpersonal relationship that you have, not just a marriage or a romantic relationship, work, school, whatever. Communicate expectations, okay? Communicate your expectations. You cannot rightly get upset at someone else for not doing something you didn't ask them to do you understand what I'm saying? If your expectation is that the dishes need to be clean before you go to bed at night, but you never tell that to your partner, you have no right to get mad at them for not doing the dishes, right? If you don't communicate those expectations, it's, you can't be upset about it. So whatever those are, sit down, talk about it communication, keep that line of communication open at all times. And again, this is something you can carry into your everyday life with your coworkers. I used to work at Old Navy and at Gap and it used to drive me insane when people would just come by the t-shirt table and just do like a little quick fold and stack them up and not put them in order. Like, no, I would, you need to like get the folding table out and, and put them in size order and which is stuff you're supposed to do anyways. But when you're in a hurry, you know, when it's, you got 50, people in the store and everything's crazy. Like you're just trying to clean up and make it look nice. And it would always just drive me up a wall, but I would never, I would always be mad at my fellow employees, but I would never say anything. I didn't tell them what I was expecting. And so that's on me. If I don't communicate my expectation, my frustration is my own fault. You can't, I cannot read her mind. She cannot read my mind. And I'm not picking on the ladies, but it just, tends to be where women tend to assume that men can, can read their minds because they're thinking a lot. Guys, we're a little more simple. We don't think a whole lot. It's like, I'm going to do this one thing and that's the end of it. Whereas Lyric may wake up on a Saturday morning and have a whole list of things she wants to do. If she doesn't communicate that to me, I'm going to go sit on the couch and play video games, right? Like if I don't have anything to do, that day. That's what, that's what I'm going to do. But, um, so we have to always be in communication, keep those lines open and making sure that whatever you expect them to do, you tell them because if they don't do it, it's your fault.
0: So the next thing, and we kind of have alluded to this, but, um, some things are worth fighting for. Um, we need to stand up for what is righteous and what is right. Um, and, our spouses, we're, we're all human, right? We all make mistakes. We all sin. We all don't live righteously at times. And so we need to, and this, you know, when we say stand up for what is right, don't pick a fight, but you're their partner. You should hold them accountable. Um, Michael has you, you, nobody knows you like your spouse does. Michael sees me every single day, day in, day out. He knows when Happily. I'm having good days. He knows when I'm having bad days. He knows when I'm spending time with the Lord. He knows when I'm not. Michael has told me, Lyric, I haven't seen you read your Bible in a while. Are you going to read your Bible? Like, and, and that's, that's good. We need somebody we, we need to trust that person to hold us accountable and not because they're picking on us, but because we trust them and we know that they are trying to help us grow in our relationship with the Lord. Um, so fight for what is good and what is righteous. Um, hold your spouse accountable and be willing to be held accountable. Um, that's,
1: that's a big one.
0: Yes, because I could very easily be like, ah, I'm not gonna read my Bible because you told me to. But no, like I have to trust that he again with that intention that I'm going to assume that he loves me and that he cares about me and that he cares about my relationship with the Lord and that's why he brought it up Um, but if you ever do have something that comes to your mind that you're like okay this is something that needs to be addressed this is something worth fighting for do it in private do not bring this up in front of people. Do not bring it up when you're out in public or around family or whatever. Do it in private. Because there is nothing worse than feeling like the world is out to get you and your spouse included. And sometimes when that's done in a public setting, that's what it can feel like. It can feel embarrassing and it can be shameful. But if you go to them privately in a loving manner... Then it's completely different,
1: yeah, and like it also makes like other people feel uncomfortable. Have you ever been in the grocery store and like the wife starts yelling at the husband because he got the wrong tomato sauce or something like that, or vice versa the the man is grumpy and and starts saying, you know you know what I'm saying? you ever witnessed that because I have, and it's uncomfortable as a bystander, so I can't imagine how much more uncomfortable it would be for the person that's like getting chewed out in aisle five right like so just do it, yeah, do it in private. Um, and when you do fight, because it's gonna happen, like no relationship is perfect, it's because we are imperfect beings, right? But when you do fight, fight well. And I don't mean like be good at fighting. Well, actually, I kind of do mean that, but not in the way that not you to think. win. Yeah, don't, don't when, you, when you fight, like, okay, let's give some practicals. Don't lose your cool. Like, if you start to get too angry, walk away. Say, I'm angry, I can't do this right now, and just leave. You will never regret not losing your temper. How many of us have ever lost our temper and are really bummed out that we did? Like, you're embarrassed, or, yeah, I'm sure we all have times in our lives when we regret letting our anger get the best of us. You will never regret not yelling at that person. It's just, it's just not gonna happen. You'll never regret keeping your cool. And so um, when you do fight, you need to make sure that you are keeping a level head about things, that you are treating that person with dignity and respect. Because one, they're made in the image of God and they have innate dignity endued upon them by their creator, right? Imbued, not endued, sorry. Um, but also because that's your partner, like that's your ally. Why would you ever want to belittle them or make them feel worse about themselves? So make sure that when you're fighting, do it, uh, do it right. Um, and figure out, what back to communication, figure out what works. Figure out what the best way to, to have arguments and discussions is. Like for me, I need to cool off. If, if I'm in a moment like I know that I'm going to either say something I regret or make it worse. Like that's just how it's gonna. So I just need like
0: And I need to respect that and allow him to have that time to cool off.
1: Which she doesn't always.
0: <laughs> so that you well, know if, she wants
1: to like get it done with I wanna right hash then. it out.
0: Like let's and me, I'm talk like this I, through. I gotta
1: cool down because if we hash it out and I'm 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 heated, like it's gonna it's gonna get ugly.
0: And so you have to know your partner and be willing to do what's best. So like in that situation, it is best for me to not be like, no, come back. We're talking about this right now. Because I'll say, okay,
1: let's do this. <laughs> yeah, and, and, it, you know, and it's, it's not going
0: to be good. So yeah. find you know something that you agree upon and then do that. And res- whether that's how you would handle it or not, respect that that's how your spouse needs to handle things.
1: And this is a big one. And I, I really want you all to listen to me. This is so, so important. When your partner, especially if they're the one in the wrong, okay, when your partner humbles themselves and comes to you to ask for forgiveness, even if you're still angry, don't make it worse. It is so easy, especially if you're still like not quite to the point where you're ready to forgive them yet, all of a sudden they come to you, they've cooled off, they're humble, they're they're sorry, And then all of a sudden you like just, you spit back at them and start beating them up for what they did. Not physically, hopefully, not physically. But you know, you start like jabbing at them with your words and getting, yeah, that's right, you're sorry. You you should be, but like, no. Like chill out, humble yourself and accept that apology. Because chances are, that's the one chance you're going to get they're probably not gonna come back and say sorry again, right? And the more that happens, the less and less likely they are to come back and say sorry. If every time they come to apologize, you just spit in their face, they're gonna stop apologizing, right? And so just, it's really, really important. Always accept their humility with humility. You won, there's no need to gloat. And I'm just
0: going to be kind of vulnerable for a second and say that this has happened, and I have been that person that, like, Michael has humbled himself, has come back to me. And in my mind, I'm right, and so now I like I need you to know, yeah, whatever, you know. But then at that moment that I do that, I am no— whether if I was in the right before, I'm not any longer— now it's my job to go and apologize to Michael. And that's happened, where it's like, he's come and apologized to me, and I didn't respond in that moment how I should have. And then it was, my, it was my job to then go back like, and... It's,
1: it's like getting a game-winning touchdown canceled because of a penalty, right? Like, you won, and now all of a sudden you're, you lost because you've taken what could have been a great chance for you to reconcile and turned it into another fight. So, yeah, that's spot on.
0: Okay, this next thing, aside from always assuming the best in your partner, this is the one piece of advice that I want to tell every couple who is getting married or married or...
1: Write this down in your phone if you're not already taking notes.
0: Yeah, this is one of my biggest pieces of advice. This is
1: not an original. This is not a Michael lyric original. This was advice given us by but the person who But I've seen counseled firsthand
0: us. how big of a deal it is. Yeah. is. Don't use your family as a venting platform for your partner. If you are fighting with your spouse, do not tell your family. Do not tell them that he yelled at you or whatever it is. Don't tell them.
1: And I know that sounds counterintuitive right like uh, that uh, because family is important in a part of our relationship but just just hold on you'll see
0: your family does not love your spouse the same way that you do my family loves michael
1: they, they, really, they do.
0: really do they love him but they don't love him the same way that I love him. And they love me so much that if I tell them he wronged me, they pick up that offense and probably stronger than I did in the first place. And then because I love Michael, I forgive him and I move on, but my family, because they don't love him that same way, they're not as quick to forgive him as I am.
1: Your dad, ladies, your dad doesn't need to know that he yelled at you because you burned the casserole, right? Gentlemen, your mom doesn't need to know that she didn't separate the whites and the and the darks and now your undershirts are pink. Like, that she doesn't, your mom doesn't need to know that, right? Like, it's none of her business. And it's only going to open up a door for strife between your family and your spouse. And there's already plenty of opportunities for that to happen, right? Like that's why we we a lot of people don't like their in-laws because it's just it's a weird thing. You don't need to give them more ammunition to not like your partner. Yeah. Um so just yeah, like Lyric said, they will never be as quick to forgive as you are. And like Lyric and I when we fight, like when we're done fighting, we can like cuddle and kiss and like make up and, and it's all great. I'm I'm not cuddling with Papa. Like, that's just not... I love him, but it's just not going to happen. Um, and so... I just uh, think your
0: family is, you know, a lot of times so protective of you. Yeah. So anytime that somebody hurts you, like, they want that person
1: to be punished, right? And, and and not to say that you can't, like, talk about your relationship with people, but just find a, a neutral third party, a friend, a, a, maybe a, a mutual friend, somebody that, like... If I'm having a really hard time, I may go to, to like my, my friend who is also lyric's friend and just say, like, listen, this is what's going on. Complaining and kind of airing out your business is usually just a bad idea in general. But if it's really something that you need like advice on, go to somebody you trust that you know loves you both equally. There you go. All right. That was point number one. <laughs> Sorry, that was really long. I promise. The rest of these are gonna be much shorter. Um, Stop pointing at your watch, Sarah. Um, All right, here we go. Point number two um, Learn how to love and be loved by your partner. What do I mean by that? Um, You guys have heard of like the five love languages. You've heard this before, yes? Um, I'm not saying that that's like the only way that you can ever feel loved because have you ever heard of tacos? But um.
0: I swear that's like the
1: (laughs) sixth love language. Like if you feed
0: me, I will feel so loved. But
1: there are. Bake me some chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, absolutely. Like there, there, but there are definitely ways that each individual person shows their love and gives, uh, and feels loved, right? And it's really important to find that out about your partner. So, for instance, you know, you may feel really, really loved when your partner tells you that they love you. The words may be really big for you. You need to hear it, right? But maybe your partner, the way that they feel loved is by you showing how much you love them. So what happens is, I am telling Lyric every single day, I love you, I love you, I love you, you're beautiful, I love you, I love you, I love you. And yet the hamper full of clothes is sitting over there untouched and she's waiting for me to show my love for her by helping out around the house or by bringing her a coffee to work or something along those lines. We each have different ways that we show love but also ways that we feel loved. And so it's important, it's very easy to be selfish when it comes to the way we love each other, right? Like for instance, this is a a true story from mine and Lyric's lives. Like she loves the words. She wants me to tell her how much I love her and talk to her. And part of that too is she loves like spending time together. So like in the car, she loves theoretically, loves road trips because we get to talk and spend time together. You're locked in the car
0: with me. This is great. We I have so many things
1: to talk about. And we're going to be mushy-gushy, right? And like me, I'm much more of like a, like I have to have my hand somewhere on her at all times. Like I want to, I want to hold her hand. I want in the car, like I'll just reach over and put my hand on her leg. I'll sit there for an hour and not say a word in the car but my hand is on her thigh because like that's me saying i love you like i uh, this is me i'm letting you know like i don't touch just anybody like you are you are mine and that's and so like we would this was like for real friction in our marriage because she was expecting me to love her the way she feels loved but wasn't realizing that what i was doing was the way that i show love, right? And, they, and it goes both ways. It absolutely goes both ways. Um, so the whole point I'm trying to say is, you can't, yes, I should, as a, as a good loving husband, I should learn how, what makes Lyric feel loved and strive to do that every single day. But also, she needs to realize that I say I love you differently then she feels it. And she has to know that even though she doesn't necessarily feel loved, she knows that when I'm holding her hand or when I'm like rubbing or putting my fingers through her hair, like that means... Okay, sorry. <laughs> Raid, sorry, Raid, Kate, and Raisha. Kate just went to put his hand on Gracia's head and she went, ugh. <laughs> it, was just, it was perfect timing. I love that. Sorry, not to embarrass you, but that was just really funny. Um, the things you see when you're talking. Uh, but yeah, just so you gotta be aware. You gotta be aware of, of how they show love and how they feel love and do everything you can. If they love um, spending time with you, Spend lots of quality time with them. Me and
0: Michael share an office, so...
1: It's great. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but uh, it's a two-way street. You have to be aware of how people love and also how they feel loved. Do everything that you can to make them feel loved the way that they enjoy, or the way that they just naturally feel it. And so what I, I guess what I'm saying is, know what makes them feel loved. Do everything you can to do that, but also be aware that they may say I love you in ways that you don't. And just learning that is gonna save you so much trouble and strife.
0: This can also be flipped around too. The things that make you feel the most loved are also the things that can, at least in my experience, hurt the most. So because I love quality time and words of affirmation, if we were to get into an argument and Michael in the heat of the moment says something mean, I carry that with me for like years, like a long time because it's the way I feel loved. And so then when it's the opposite, it affects me so much. Or for Michael, if, if he loves being touched, if I'm angry at him and withhold my touch from him, that really hurts him. And so we have to be careful that like, yes, this is how we love each other. Don't hurt each other that way. If if your spouse's um, love language is words of affirmation, don't say mean things, you know? Like think about, because if I said something to mean mean to Michael, he would not even remember it like five minutes It means his words. It means, like, it it means, means nothing, nothing to, to me. him.
1: You could cuss me out and... The next day we could go play soccer. But I am literally
0: thinking about it years later. This actually just got brought up the other day. I was like, hey, remember five years ago when you said this thing to me?
1: I said, no. (laughs) Why would (laughs) I remember that?
0: It was five years ago. But because it was my my love language used in the wrong way.
1: But I do remember that like week in 2014 when she refused to cuddle with me before bed at night and it like made me feel awful. Like I remember, you know, when she, you know what I'm saying? So like, just be aware of that and and never do anything to intentionally hurt your partner. There's no point. There's no point. All right, number three.
0: Number three. See,
1: number two was pretty quick, right? Took like five minutes.
0: This was gonna probably probably be even quicker. Um, Probably. But... Number three, have fun. Um, this is, at least for me, something that keeps me going. If something is not fun or boring, boring, I don't want any part of it. Like, you know, we when we pick up Fisher, I mean, he's a baby, but when he grows up, we've talked about, like, Michael will say, when we pick up Fisher from KidZone, the first thing we need to say is, what did you learn in KidZone? But, like, my first... Like instinct is like, did you have fun? Like, and I I get what he's saying. Like, the the reason you go to church is not for fun, but that's where my heart is. It's like I want everything to be fun always, and if it's boring, I don't want to do it. But marriage should be fun. Absolutely. Um, This is your best friend. This is your partner. So figure out how to make things fun. Um, plan vacation or a game night or a date night or whatever it might be. Be
1: purposeful. Yes. Purposely seek out ways to have fun.
0: Yes. Y- you know, there might be times where things are just fun naturally, but there might be times where you, you have to say, okay, we need a night of fun. And, and like he said, be intentional about it, be purposeful, and make sure that you're having fun in your relationship
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, dream together, you know? Think about your future. I just have, sometimes we just have nights where we're like, we're out at dinner and we're trying to figure out like, what, what are we gonna talk about at dinner? Because we, we, we live together, we work together, we're together all day long. And so sometimes like when it comes to date night, we've like said everything. That there is to say for that day, and so we'll we'll just stop and like and we 'll just dream like what does the future hold? Where do we see ourselves in five years what 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 house are we going to live in? what city are we going to live in? Are we going to have more kids like are they going to be cute um you know what what are we what are we going to do for our fifteenth anniversary uh what what's the next cruise we're going to go on or you know we, we there was a
0: time in our lives where we
1: had like no money. <laughs> Kind of still the case, but we were like
0: really didn't have any money and we wanted to go on a vacation so bad we wanted to go to Disney World. We had been to Disney World like a few years prior with my family and we wanted to go to Disney World again, but we didn't have very much money. But we thought it would be fun to start planning our Disney trip and we would go on walks around our neighborhood. This is this is kind of embarrassing 100%, but we would go on walks around our neighborhood and if you've been to Disney World, you walk so much, your feet hurt so much by the end of the day. So we would go on walks and we're like, we're prepping our feet. Whenever that day comes, we're our feet are going to be ready like we are preparing ourselves and we would take that walk, prepare ourselves and plan And we'd plan the trip. trip. We're
1: like, all right, this is the park we're going to go to and then we're going to get this snack and we're going to go on
0: that ride. The that when we finally went to Disney World after this season in our lives, it was the best trip ever because we just had we everything planned. We had spent 30
1: out. hours like a week planning this, you know, this But thing. that's
0: fun to us. Like yeah. looking to what's next and planning trips and so find what's fun and then do that.
1: And and just dream Dream. Take. Be purposeful about dreaming together. What are ways that you can like impact the kingdom of God together? Start dreaming. Uh, you know, that was
0: uh, also something we would do on those walks. If we weren't planning our trip, we would we would just use that walk. To talk about pray. ministry.
1: What's 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 in the future? Are we going to have our own church someday? Are we going to you know um, and just just dream big and look forward and and it always gives you something to look forward to, which is is big, right? It's important. Having hope and something exciting in the future is just, it's just a good idea.
0: Yeah. The next part of this is spend time with other couples. Um, Friends are important to have, and it is possible to feel, that's right, uh, it is possible to feel lonely inside of marriage. So just because you are married and you have like your built-in best friend doesn't mean that there aren't times where
1: you need... As a couple, you feel isolated and, and alone. You feel yes. like you're on your own little island. Yeah, you've got your partner, but you're, there's nobody else. And it's just it can be lonely. Just the way you feel mm-hmm. lonely sometimes when you're single, the same thing happens when you're married. Marriage isn't just like a cure-all for loneliness. Yeah. It can still happen.
0: And so, yeah, you need to spend time with friends. Um, when we leave spending time with other friends or couples, we leave feeling so refreshed. Um, and so it's just, that's just something really important. Don't get married and then isolate yourselves.
1: Like, especially if their marriage is, like, a train wreck, it makes us feel really good about our... No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. That's not true. No, but though. it really, it can it can be so life-giving, just to, like, be with but, people in your own... In but, similar if you circumstances. ever do want to
0: feel good about your marriage, go
1: to a marriage small group. Like a small group <laughs> or a life group, because people just air out they all will? their dirty laundry, and you're like, wow, we have a really good yeah, marriage. I, wow, made. we're doing (laughs) pretty good (laughs) that's that's That's, that is true it's from experience so yeah so just spend time with with other couples and so here's number four and we're wrapping up here number four the most important of everything else we have said tonight keep God at the center of your life and of your relationship because guys he's everything that we need Everything that we need is in him. I don't need Lyric. I love you and I want you in my life, but I don't need you. I will be just fine on my own because I have him. He is everything. He is our comforter, our friend, our father, our bridegroom. Like God is, within him is everything that we will ever need and want. And if you start leaning on your partner, to fulfill holes in you, then you're, first of all, you're putting pressure on your partner that they are incapable of of rising to the challenge. They are never gonna get there. They're never gonna fill the spot that God has. You
0: will never be satisfied because they will inevitably fail to fill those holes.
1: Yes. Marriage is not a cure for... A, like, uh, like a, if all of a sudden your life is fulfilled and you feel whole just because you get married, that's not what it is. If God is not at the center, if he is not your number one, you're, you could marry 10 people and you will never feel whole and complete. Um, so just always, always, always keep, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about what that looks like.
0: Mm-mm. First, you need to have a daily time by yourself with the Lord. You need to prioritize your relationship with the Lord over anything else. It is the most important thing, and then your marriage is second. Um, It's not the other way around. The Lord is the most important thing. So make sure that you are having a daily time by yourself with the Lord.
1: We hear stories about like people— Larry Myers is one. I don't know if you guys know Larry Myers. He's a missionary that Church on the Rock has partnered with for 30 years. He was 40, 45 years old, and he heard God say, go to Mexico. And he told his wife, he said, hey, Mary Lou, this is what God said. You, me, and the kids, we're going to Mexico. And she said, no, we're not. We're not going to Mexico. We are, we are staying here. We live here. This is our life. This is where we go. He said, Okay, well, I'm going, and he and he went. He left his wife and child and went to Mexico and changed a nation. His wife eventually got on board and and came down to be with him, and they're still married today, you know, forty five years later. He's like 90 something. Um, but anyways, he he did he left his family because he did what God told him. To do, and because he did that, literally, there are thousands of churches all over the country of Mexico. Because this one guy did what, in normal society, would be bad, right? Like from our our worldly eyes, we look at a man leaving his wife and children and moving to Mexico. That's bad. But if God's the one telling you to do it, like it's gonna work out. And that's why he he, I don't know if I could do it. I don't. I really have. You seen my kid? how cute he is. Like I I could not just pick up and leave to Mexico, but he did and God honored that and he changed the nation and he's still married. His kids are successful and God honored that. So keep God as the number one, your your partner is number two.
0: Yeah, I, I can't remember if we talked about this or not um, a couple of weeks ago, but Michael and I just recently, like I know we're so behind, started watching The Chosen, the the series about the disciples following Jesus. Super And good. it's so good. I don't know why we slept on it for so long, but it's been so good. We're, we're only just now starting the second season. But something that was really cool to see how they portrayed was Peter's relationship with his wife, and then kind of at the same time, you're seeing Nicodemus's relationship with his wife. And so both of these guys are... Deciding, are they going to follow Jesus? And Peter's wife is like, yes you have to go follow him like i know you're leaving me with my sick mother but like this is jesus you have to go follow him like do whatever it takes and then on the flip side you kind of see nicodemus going back and forth with his wife and his wife is like you know much more like she's like
1: i want my family let's get back to our grandchildren let's get back to yeah, our life like, like family's our the
0: most important this is this is our priority and it really did make me me the kind of the way they portrayed this, it made me question myself, like, what, which of these wives would I be? Because this is a big sacrifice. Would I be okay to be at home with my sick mom while Michael is out gallivanting around having the time of his life with Jesus? Like, you know, it really made me think, like, am I okay with Michael doing whatever it is the Lord calls him to do? And the answer just has to be yes. Like, I want to be the wife that if Michael comes to me and says, hey, I really feel like this is what the Lord wants, I want to be his biggest supporter and cheerleader. Because I don't want to be the reason that, first of all, I don't want him to go to Mexico without me right? I'd rather just go, even if I was unhappy about it. But, but even more so than that, I don't want to be the reason that he doesn't go. I don't want to be the reason that he stays home and misses out and is disobedient to what the Lord had in store for him and for us.
1: So always make sure to take time to pray and read daily by yourself. But in the same breath, we need to take the time to pray and read daily with our partner as well. Um, Lyric and I, before bed, we sit in bed, we get out the Bible, and we read together. And it's just—it's a great time where we can just focus on what is important: our time together and the Lord, right? And it's just—it's become such a peaceful, amazing part of our of our routine. And and I. I don't know what I would do if that went away. I would be so sad. And I think it would severely negatively impact our, our relationship because God has to be the center. I heard someone talk about like a triangle. Uh, love and marriage is like a triangle with God at the, at the top and you and your partner on either end. And the closer each of you individually draw to God, the closer you will also get to each other. And so we have to make sure that, yes, by, we're spending time with the Lord by ourselves, but we also need to bring a level of spirituality into our, our marriage. And that's praying for your family together, praying for your children, for your future children, praying about your future, reading the word together. There's just something, um, something about it because it's not only time together as a husband and wife, but it's time together with the Lord as well. And to kind of wrap this up because we're, we're a minute away from when we need to end. Um, but basically just, I know what you're, you're thinking. How can I have time to read by myself, go to work, take care of my kids, and also read time, have time with, with my spouse? And um, what I say to that is, put the, first, the big things first. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have the same amount of time. It's how we choose to spend that time that matters. Uh, I saw this, this um, kind of an object lesson one time where this guy, he had like an empty vessel and then he had like a bunch of sand, a bunch of water, some pebbles, um, like some other little item and like some ping pong balls, right? And he's like, these are all the things I have to do throughout the day and this is all the time that I have to do them. And so he grabbed the the sand and he poured the sand. And so this is me like, you know, going to the gym and, and or maybe you're not a gym goer, but this is me reading in the morning and he poured the sand in and it filled it up pretty high. And then he like grabbed the, the water and he like poured it in. And it filled up another bunch of the way. And it was quickly running out of space in the thing in the water. He was like, This is this is your like your phone time, right? This is your 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 just kind of me time. And then he went to grab the pebbles. And as he poured in the pebbles, all of a sudden the water like poured over. And it, there was no more room left in the vessel. And he still had the big stuff left. And um then he like brought out a second table that had all that same stuff, the exact same size, the exact same amount. But he started with the big thing. And he went and he put the ping pong balls in. And then he grabbed the pebbles. And the ping pong balls filled up pretty high into the day. But then he grabbed the pebbles and he poured in the pebbles. And the pebbles kind of settled all in in the gaps between the ping pong balls. And they settled in and it looked like they weren't even in there because so, the, the ping pong balls were there and they just kind of found a spot. And then he grabbed the water and he poured the water into the, the thing. And it still, the water filled in all the gaps. And, and it, basically what it was, he was able to fit everything into that exact same amount of space because he put the big stuff first. And that's what we have to do in our lives. What's the important things? Make a list of what's important to you and then do those things first. Wait to get on your phone to watch TikTok until the end of the day. And then if you run out of time, oh well, you wasted you you missed out on you know, cat videos. You know what I mean? Like what what y- but if, if I spend 30 minutes in the morning on my phone instead of waking up and exercising, then all of a sudden before bed, I've got to exercise because I want to be healthy. And then I, I get back into the bedroom after exercising and lyrics asleep, And all of a sudden we haven't read together. We didn't get to talk. We didn't get to pray together, right? So do that stuff first. Whether that's waking up early, starting the day off, right? I don't know what it looks like to you. But this, and this is applicable to everyone in every stage of life. Get the, find out what the big things are. What's the important stuff? Put it first. And I promise all the little stuff you'll find time for. You will, I promise. I know,
0: and i and I've, I've heard people say this before in, you just kind of are like, yeah, whatever. Like that's that's not true. That, that's not gonna work. Like whether I do it in the beginning or at the end, it, 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 it's ir- irrelevant. But man, it is so true. Like it just doesn't even it doesn't even make sense when you put the big stuff first. How much time you just seem to have after those things are completed? It doesn't make sense. But I do think it's just kind of the Lord's blessing on the situation.
1: So this ends our first session of pre-marriage counseling. Uh, I (laughs) hope to see all of you at some point where we can talk more. Um, But really though, I I pray that this at least gave you something to think about. I'm sure, obviously these things are very applicable to marriage and your future, but also there are a lot of things in here that are just good, solid life application. Um, And I hope that you guys got something from it. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll go ahead and be done. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we thank you that um, you have given us such an amazing opportunity to live a life of success, to live a life that pleases you through your word and your wisdom, Lord God. And I pray that tonight um, that each of us in here will begin to strive towards becoming the person that our partner deserves, Lord. Whether we have a partner, whether we're looking for a partner, I pray that you would in our in in this time, even if it's if it's a time of of being single or a time of searching, Lord God, I pray that you would begin to create in us a heart that is ready to love someone selflessly the way that they deserve to be loved. Lord God, I pray that uh, we would also find contentment wherever we are. God, if if we are uh, single. And we're frustrated with, with the fact that we haven't found someone. Lord, I pray that you would just bring peace and contentment to that. Lord, if we're in a relationship that um, maybe is not going well, Lord, if it's rocky, if if, if uh, these two imperfect people have created an imperfect relationship, I pray that you would bring peace and correction to that, Lord, that that relationship would become uh, pleasing and honorable to you, Lord God. Um, that I pray that you, everything that we do in terms of relationships, Lord, that we remember to keep the big stuff at the center, Lord, that we would keep you in the center of our hearts and that um, as we pursue marriage, as we pursue healthy relationships, Lord God, I pray that you would uh, assist us and be there for us along the way. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Michael and the Connection Leadership dive into the Word of God and explore how it applies to our daily lives. You can join us live every Thursday at 7 at Church on the Rock in Texarkana, Texas. Thanks for listening.